I think the biggest one that podcasters are worried about is keeping the authenticity, not looking like they sold out for a brand, and finding a brand that matches up with their ethos, their beliefs. It's really bad for a podcaster to be saying, for example, I don't like McDonald's. It's, I don't like fast food. I don't like any fast food. Everything should be organic, organic, organic. And then next month, all of a sudden, McDonald's. Welcome to the Grin Gets Real podcast, a show for marketers by marketers to talk shop and share insights on the ever-changing landscape of the digital world. My name is Katya and I am your host on this exciting journey as we talk to our experts who join us. Now, Grin is the number one creator management platform designed for the next generation of brands who recognize that in the creator economy, authenticity is everything. To get insight on how Grin can help you manage your creator strategy, visit Grin.co. Now, my guest today is Rob Walsh. He started podcasting in 2004 and is the host of the award-winning podcast, 411 Podcast, where he has interviewed such prominent podcasters as Quincy Jones, Colin Ferguson, and Larry Kudlow, and more. That's just to name a few. He also hosts multiple podcasts like today in iOS iPhone podcast, which is the first and largest podcast about the iPhone and is a co-host of the feed podcast, which is a bi-weekly podcast covering podcasting. Can you pick up on the theme? So put your AirPods in, turn up that volume and get ready for my guest today, Rob Walsh. Rob, welcome to the Grin Gets Real podcast. I'm excited to have you on here to talk about podcast. How's that for irony? Well, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's hit the ground running and get started with having you provide a little bit of context of who you are and what your area of expertise is. I am a podcaster. I've been one for 18 years, and that is really my area of expertise is anything and everything podcasting. I, I started podcasting in late 2004, and I've been uh, with Libsyn, head of podcast relations, since 2007, a little over 15 years with Libsyn. But I've been podcasting. I started a podcast called Podcast 411, which was the first podcast about podcasting back in 2004. And I love the fact that you've been here pretty much just from the start. I'd love to hear your perspective on the evolution of podcasting as well, too. You know, there used to be a few. Now there's so many. I mean, look at this. You're on my podcast. If I'd ever thought that I would have a podcast, my mind would have been blown. It's changed a lot. I mean, in the early days, it was 100 of -hmm. us. And now there's a couple hundred thousand, but not a few million like some people would make you think. I will start working in reverse. You know, today people will say there's 2.4 million or 4.1 million or 4.4 million podcasts, but that's not really fair. That's just how many RSS feeds that are out there. Yeah. How many shows that are actually creating content and publishing on a regular basis? That number is under 400,000 when you look at shows that have at least 10 episodes. So the number of active podcasts is actually pretty small compared to the number of active blogs, which is in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, that's insane. And I don't know if maybe that came up in our previous conversation about how many podcasts have just one or even three episodes, and then they just completely die down that are still part of that number. Yeah, it's over 1.1 million 
that have feeds that are active that have produced less than five episodes ever. 700,000 of them produce one episode, which is probably, hey, mom, I'm a podcaster. Yeah. Or literally, I heard one that went, hey, we got the show launched. I don't know what it's going to be about yet, but we'll be back soon. And that was a couple of years ago, and they haven't been back. <laughs> There's, they're still workshopping it. That's really yes. what it is. They got a few more ideas on the whiteboard that they're trying to work through. Mm -hmm. So with people assuming that there are more than there are, the initial question is, do you think that podcast is the new radio that's out there? I almost say it's the new radio because there is so much audio out there, but also I feel like it's what people are gravitating towards because you can self-select what it is that you're listening to on a regular basis. People compare it to radio a lot because it's audio. And I understand yeah. that, but I look at it more as magazines. Magazines okay. are very niche. And podcasting has a lot more in common with magazines than it does with radio. Yeah, it's audio, but most radio is meant for the masses. You know, it's meant to go out to a lot of people. You're not going to have the Chameleon Breeder radio show. You're not going to have the podcast on backyard beekeeping for radio. But those are podcasts that do well in podcasting. There's one on pneumatic valves that gets 600 listeners an episode. Yeah. You would never put that on live radio because if someone stumbled upon it, they would get in a car accident on the, listening to it in the car because it put them to sleep. So there's unintentional ASMR podcasts. But for the people that are interested, they're really, really exciting. Yeah. And I love that you say that too, because when we had our initial conversation, you were very focused on, well, I was very focused because I'm a marketer on the metrics. Like what's the metric that I need to look at to find the right podcast that I want to advertise or sponsor it? right? Like, what do I need to look for? Give me the number. And you were very adamant that there is no magic number, much like the Valve podcast, right? How many downloads does that one get? Yeah. And I think he was getting 600 an episode and he was complaining yeah. that his show wasn't growing. And I'm like, how many people did you think you were going to get listening to a podcast about pneumatic valves? You have to understand your target audience, what the potential is there. And when I explained to that person, I said, hey, have you ever gone to a trade show and you talked? How many people did you have in the room? I go, did you have 200? 200 people in a room is a lot at a trade show. I yeah. go, well, we're doing a podcast every week or every other week, whatever he was releasing at. I go, and you have that audience coming back each episode. Yeah. That's like going to a trade show and getting triple normal audience and you do it all the time. I go, you should be excited about that. And he was like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's a lot of just kind of educating in that space, right? Well, they hear numbers from these shows, a comedy podcast or a history podcast, and they hear these numbers being thrown out, a few million here, a few million there, 100 million, you know, Rogan getting four and a half billion downloads. And they go, whoa, what's wrong with my show? Nothing, nothing. It's just your show isn't meant for the masses. And that is okay. And matter of fact, most podcasts are not meant for the masses. Yeah. You can't be all things to all people, right? No. You have to be really, really talented and funny to be all things to all people. So one of the questions that I'm always getting then to just kind of piggyback on that is, okay, so I'm looking for a podcast as a marketer that I want to identify as that podcast that I want to either advertise with or sponsor or, you know, create a sponsorship with. How do I find that podcast with that niche audience that I'm looking for? So let's say I'm you know, well, let's not say it's this podcast. Let's yeah. say it's a podcast on dog clothing because right. I'm so sure for, that there's a podcast for that. How do I search for that? Well, first thing I would do is go into Apple Podcasts 
and do your searching there. And you search on the topic that you think the podcast would be about. And dog clothing, you put that in and see what you come up with. Or even just start with dogs and see what the podcast come up. And then you go to the bottom and it says, you might also be interested in, is that little recommendation at the bottom? Well, it used to be called, people that listen to this also listen to that. Mm -hmm. So Apple changed it to, you might also be interested, which is a misnomer because people think, oh, it's based on my interest. No, it's based on if this show, if you see this show here, show ABC, we know, Apple knows that people listen to ABC show, also listen to the CDE show. They're able to tell you that. So if you're a marketer, what you do is you find a podcast that you think is in your niche and then go down to the bottom and go, you may also be interested in it and start following, looking at those shows as well. Now as a podcaster, it's really, really important to make sure the title of your show is what your show is about. Don't get mm -hmm. cute because a marketer trying to find your show, if your show, let's say you're, you're looking for a show in Nomadic Valves and you, you decided to do, call it the Cheese Doodle podcast because <laughs> you love Cheese Doodles <laughs> and everybody that works on Pneumatic Valves <laughs> loves Cheese Doodles or it's the bane of the Pneumatic Valve industry or whatever it is. Or it looks it's, like a Pneumatic right. Valve. I don't really know. <laughs> right. But- it might mean something to your industry, this little tiny hidden inside term, but that's not what people are going to search on. What are people yeah. going to search for? Go to Google AdSense, figure that out, and put that in the title of your show. And then most importantly, the most important keyword, put it as the first word in the title of your podcast because Apple Podcasts has predictive search results. As yeah. you're typing in the search area, they start putting up suggestions. Okay. And... If you don't have the, the filler words are the worst first word in a podcast. Get rid of all that. Podcast should be pneumatic valve podcast. I don't remember what he's actually called it. But the point is, make sure it's something that's relevant and you can find it. Yeah, I love that. Am I going to do the same on Spotify that I do on Apple? Here's the thing. It's your RSS feed, which is going to be everywhere. So okay. what a lot of people don't realize is when you submit that RSS feed to Apple, there's about 120 other Plus, actually, it's probably closer to 300 yeah. different apps globally that pull from Apple's podcast directory. So what you put in there is also going to be with an overcast and CastBox and whatnot. You can submit the same feed to Spotify. Or if you host on Libsyn, you can just go in and click submit to Spotify and it gets a different feed there. Yeah, But it's going to have the same title unless you do title override, which most people don't do. And they probably shouldn't. Shouldn't, right. And, yeah. and you just want to keep your title consistent across all platforms. But optimize it for search and how search works. A sponsor or a marketer or just someone interested in your content can easily find it. Don't make it difficult for people to find your podcast. So that was going to be my next question, this whole optimization for search. I know that with every episode that you upload, you have the ability to put keywords in there. How significant are the keywords for the episodes that you upload in optimizing for search? Does that play into it? Keywords have no bearing. Description has no Interesting. bearing. Apple does not look at keywords or description. Only thing Apple looks at for search results are the title and the author tag. So the title of the episode and the author tag for the episode, title of the show and the author tag for the show. That's what's in the Apple search algorithm. Only four apps out of all the apps I've looked at, hundreds plus apps, even use keywords. And they're four smaller apps. That's insane. So Spotify ignores keywords. Well, the problem is people spam keywords. Keywords yeah. became irrelevant. Well, I can't believe that it's still an option then. It's part of the RSS you know, the original RSS 2.0 spec to have that tag in there. So it's in there, 
but it doesn't do you any good. Now, it doesn't hurt you either. If you want to go ahead yeah. and put in the keywords at, at the show level or episode level, you can. Nobody looks at them, especially at the episode level. Does it help at all if someone's doing a Google search on a podcast? Do those keywords and the description play a, a role on search? No. Description a little bit more in Google, but really what it comes down to is the title of the podcast and the episode. Okay. What's the title of your episode? If on a specific episode, you're going to talk about the iPhone 14. Yeah. Don't say Apple's latest iPhone. Say, we talk about the iPhone 14. Yeah. Put that in the title of the episode. Don't get cutesy with the title of episodes either. Put in keywords that are relevant to that episode in the title. They're not technically keywords. They're the title. But on the other hand, don't spam your title with keyword, comma, keyword, comma, keyword, comma, because that can get you kicked out of Apple Podcasts. And I've seen people do that. Oh, that's interesting. I would gravitate towards the title telling me exactly what I'm signing up to listen to. Is there a format that you have seen in just kind of the time that you've seen podcasts that just kind of really works? Or does it really just depend on the topic and the host and various other things? It's a topic and the host. And the one thing I would say format-wise is length, right? Don't worry mm -hmm. about length. People get so hung up on what is the right length of an episode. And there's some really bad advice about be 20 minutes or shorter, be 22 minutes or shorter. That comes from people that were in radio that don't understand podcasting. When you oh, actually look at the most popular podcasts, the median and mean number for the top 200 episodes in Apple Podcasts typically is around 60 minutes, 65 minutes. So the most popular podcast episodes are longer. Was it about 75, 80% of the top 200 are 40 minutes or longer? Oh, that's it's so only interesting. A small percentage are less than 20 minutes. People like long form content. When you listen to a podcast and you're in the car, a lot of times you're not picking that episode in the car. You're picking it on your phone, in mm -hmm. the kitchen, on the way out to the car. And people yeah. want to listen all the way through the drive and to wherever they're getting. Or they want to listen all the way through what they're doing. Podcasting is oftentimes a distraction medium. It's helping mm -hmm. you get through whatever chore you're doing, working out, walking the dog, whatever it is. So having to constantly go find another episode from another show because you just listened to one that was 15 minutes long. Okay, now 15 minutes later, I got to find another podcast. 15 yeah. minutes later, or I can listen to Dan Hard History with Dan Carlin, and I can go and do yard work all day long for one on one episode. Right? And never have to fumble apart on my iPhone and never have to take it out of the pocket. I'll probably run out of juice in my AirPods before the episode's over. That's amazing. How long is that podcast? Uh, about six hour long episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is, that's a book. That's mm -hmm. essentially what it is. But it's, I would imagine, a little bit more riveting than a book, right? Because yes. it's got to be engaging content. And I do think, I agree with you as well, too. Like, I think that the guest, and not not just the guest. The guest is also important, but the guest and the host. It's it's really what makes the show. I think one of the things that I enjoy the most about podcasts is being completely engrossed in it. I mean, look at you. You're engrossed in a six hour podcast. I don't know that I've ever listened that long to a podcast, but I also know that I've listened to podcasts that have been almost two hours long, and I'm disappointed when they end. And you'll be that way with Dan's. You'll go through six hours and go, oh, that's it. It's over. Oh, I know. I mean, when he, does he the next one come four, out? <laughs> he releases a four-hour episode. You're like, oh, man, why is it so short? Oh, uh, is that insane? He gets millions of downloads an episode. He's one of the most popular podcasts on a per-episode basis. 
That's amazing to me. I love that. So, I mean, like as a marketer then, don't be afraid of short or long. Probably longer is going to be better. The advice that you gave for searching, I love. And I love that you broke down the description doesn't really have anything to do with that. The other thing that I think that you just left out that you had mentioned to me was not just find it, but listen to it. Mm -hmm. Listen to the podcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't send an email to the podcaster, hi, comma, you know, (laughs) hi, Rob, comma. I heard on your latest episode, you mentioned dot, dot, dot. Well, hey, we produce dot, dot, dot. And I thought you might want to try out our product. Actually, listen, if you're going to talk to the producer and it's their 30th birthday last week, and they mentioned it on the episode, and you don't say happy 30th birthday, they know you don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. So make sure you listen understand the show before you reach out to it. Take a little bit of time, but so many people just like, oh, I don't have time in the day. Well, you know what? Podcasters are the greatest influencers and their audience chooses to listen. And they usually listen with earbuds, which means literally people are in their head and you can get in the head of your consumer through the podcast if you take a little bit of time and courtesy and listen to a couple episodes before you reach out. Well, and that's always the best approach with any influencer and creator is let me know that you genuinely listen, watch, scroll, stop, engage with me. Tell me what you like about me. I'm not just a piece of meat. You know, it's really personalizing that. Now, as a marketer, the options for reaching out to these podcast creators, you have the option to sponsor and advertise. Can you break down what the difference is between both of those? Because I think they, a lot of people think they're one in the same. A sponsorship is when someone gets a tattoo on their shoulder and an advertiser is when they get a t-shirt to wear. A sponsorship, it's a bigger commitment. Maybe they're going to put your logo on their website. You're going to sponsor out for a longer period of time. Uh-huh. You could say a sponsorship is, is an engagement. Uh, advertisement is is a one-night fling. (laughs) Both can be very beneficial, but they are different things. Um, Both scratch the itch. Yes. (laughs) When I think of sponsorship, I'm thinking it's it's a longer-term commitment. It's it's a bigger commitment on the advertiser. They're part of the show, and you get a bigger say in that show. An advertiser is just, "Eh, here's the product. They're going to mention it, but that's it. And they may or may not endorse it, but Hey, you're still getting out in front. You know, and there's yeah. absolutely times where you want to just be an advertiser and not a sponsor. You're just trying to get out word of mouth about your product yeah. and just introduce it. And you just want that, you know, seven times people hear that about your product seven times. That's all you're caring for is getting to that seven times. So the hockey stick of memory starts to kick in. Yeah. And you can go out and you could advertise on a lot of podcasts. But sometimes your product is a little bit more in depth. It's a higher dollar product. And you really need that almost marriage with the producer to get their audience to try your product. No, I couldn't agree more. To me, advertising is the air cover that you're looking for. And that sponsorship is the social proof that you're trying to, to get associated with like your brand and that particular creator. Now, one of the things, especially because I'm in influencer marketing and in this creator world, one of the things that I consistently see is marketers for brands miss out on some of the challenges that creators have, right? So an Instagram creator has a challenge of creating content for maybe multiple brands that they sponsor, right? So what are some of the challenges that 
podcasters face that a brand should be aware of when they're reaching out to them? I think the biggest one that podcasters are worried about is keeping the authenticity, not looking like they sold out for a brand and finding a brand that matches up with their ethos, their beliefs. It's really bad for a podcaster to be saying, for example, I don't like McDonald's. It's, I don't like fast food. I don't like any fast food. Everything should be organic, organic, organic. And then next month, all of a sudden, McDonald's, buy the new McDonald's Happy Meal box. Yeah. Right. And it's like, wait a second, last month you were just saying you didn't like that. You have to know what you've talked about in the past. And yeah, the check might look good, but it doesn't fit. And as a sponsor, you, you want to make sure they fit with your ethos. If they're sitting there and they say, oh, you know, there's only one type of football, it's the oblong type, the other round one stinks, and you pass it, and football, American football is the only football, and you are Adidas, you might want to stay away from them. Yeah. Right? If your brand is around soccer and soccer is a big fan, you might not want to be associated with this person who's constantly out there denigrating soccer. So you have to make sure you match up with what they believe in. It gets tough with politics too. Yeah, I was just going to say now I'm very curious about the politically incorrect that you were going to path that you were going to go down. I don't even like to talk about politics anymore. It's become so divisive. Yes. As a podcaster, the best thing you could do is not talk about politics. <laughs> when the people email you and go, what do you think about this? And the best answer is don't answer. If your show is about the iPhone and someone wants to know what you think about the latest bill going through Congress and has nothing to do with iPhones, you don't reply. Yeah. Better for people to wonder than know. Exactly. Well, and also I think like as a podcaster, you are, like you said, in the ears of people. So you're literally in people's heads and... People can take it to a totally different level, right? Then, then there is this, I, I know all of the things about you if you answer in this way. So I must know your views on everything. And then it does definitely take away from a show completely. Now, do you think that marketers are finding more success in podcasts versus radio? I would imagine so. Radio is a dying medium, right? You think? Oh, yeah. The radio numbers are all down pretty much across the board. It's not a very personal medium. It's the reason why the CPMs are so low. And podcasting has better CPMs because there's a much better connection. Again, it's more about you're connecting with that host. They're talking about a topic you really care about. You're yeah. searching it out. You're listening to it when you want to listen to it. It's a much more intimate medium than radio. That's why I consider it more along the lines of magazines, right? Magazine, you read it yeah. when you want to read it. You stop when you run out of time on that page. You come back to it later on. Everything in that magazine is probably of relevance to you because you picked up a magazine on woodworking and that's what you care about. Whereas man, you listen to the radio program, good luck finding a woodworking radio show and then even knowing what time it comes on and on what channel. Yeah, that's true. And then you can't engage with them in any other way as well too. The show's on and then it's off. It doesn't live anywhere. Nobody can go back to it. I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about podcasts as well too. Now, when it comes to, because I'm a marketer, so I'm always going to bring it back to some sort of metric because as a marketer, I'm consistently chasing attribution, right? You just mentioned, you know, it's got better CPMs. Is there an average or a good baseline CPM that I can prove that out? Or do you suggest figuring out your own baseline <laughs> for that cost per impression? All right. CPM, when we talk CPMs, average that's out there, it's a general, like what's the CPM? 
for a general podcast, a comedy podcast, a history podcast, yeah. a podcast on business in general. And those CPMs typically come in around $24 for a 60-second spot. But if you have a podcast that's on Pneumatic Valve or like the Chameleon Breeder podcast, you could be getting a $1,000 CPM, a dollar per download. If you're making chameleon breeding cages and you want to find an audience that is going to be interested in that, you go to the one podcast that's about breeding chameleons and you yeah. find that audience. It's not a huge audience. The number of listeners is low, but every one of them hits the product that you're selling. So that changes around how much you're going to pay. If you're buying by demographics, yeah, $24 CPM. If you're buying psychographics, then it comes down to, how much is each individual listener worth to you? Yeah. So many times marketers make the mistake. They think of it, again, like radio. And they think, well, a certain percentage of this audience is going to be yeah. male between this age. And, and, and that means a certain percentage of that group is going to be likely to want my product. And they might say, you might be selling iPhone cases, right? And yeah. you go, okay, if I can find my iPhone cases appeal to man between 35 and 55, and if I can find a radio program that has a certain percentage of men at that, da, 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 I'll work out these numbers. Or you can go to a podcast about iPhones and every one of those people has an iPhone. And why is yeah. iPhone cases? Now your numbers shift. So you got to think on psychographics versus demographics. Yeah. And what I also hear is it's the quality, not the quantity, right? Like you're completely missing the point if you don't get that this chameleon podcast has, even if it had 10, 10 listeners, right? Mm -hmm. That were all into whatever it is. Let's say there's a cage, right? This cage that you're advertising. And then that podcaster is talking about the benefits of this. That to me makes the most sense. I don't know how to get that point across because it does feel like the difference between spray and prey and being more right. strategic. Here's a Real world example, this one came through many years ago. This is when Serial was coming out with like season two. And it was General Electric and they had a new turboprop that they wanted to talk about. And they were uh -huh. looking for non-commercial aviation pilots. So basically private pilots of yeah. private planes. That's who their target market was. And they were like going to pay Serial a certain amount, like $35, $45 CPM. And they said, oh, well, a certain percentage of the serial audience is likely to be pilots, and then we'll work it down. So they're trying to guesstimate what it was. And we're like, well, here we have this podcast that's a non-commercial pilots, every yeah. one of them, 100%. So the CPM, we were like, let's go with, you know, how much were you going to pay for serial, and what did you work that out? Okay, and it was like going to be like, what they were figuring out, the percentage of the audience was, it was going to be like a $2,000 CPM. And we said, well, why don't you just pay a $1,000 CPM here and get actual non-commercial buyers? They couldn't wrap their mind around paying a $1,000 CPM for a podcast that was 100% their audience versus paying 45 for an audience that might have. They thought, well, 45 is less than 1,000, so that's better. No, it wasn't. Well, I also think that like the big difference there is, well, not the big, you've already stated what the big difference is there. I would say going for cereal only makes sense if all you want is like that brand awareness. If you're looking for a high level air cover and you're looking at popularity, then do that. But don't expect like a return on investment that equals two dollars in my pocket. Do, do you know what I mean? Like right. I think that so many times that concept gets so convoluted where 
we're having these high expectations. If this podcast just said my brand name and they plugged it, that's when all of like the sales mm-hmm. and the business come in. But to your point, if you're just telling a bunch of people that have absolutely no interest, then it is just air cover. Mm-hmm. It's just noise, white noise, right? Right. So you know, don't think CPMs a lot of times. Think about just the individuals and you know, how much they would have spent on that aviation podcast was less than what they were going to spend on cereal. Yeah, that to me is so insane. One last question about the whole advertising part of it, because this is something that gets asked about a lot. And I'm really curious because, you know, you said descriptions don't really play a key role from like a search perspective, right? So if I'm a brand and I want my link to be featured on the episode page, is there a higher value for having those links on the page versus just having them mention me in like an audio ad? Always good idea to, if you're doing host red ads, if you're, if you're going through the host red ads where their host is going to mention it, having them put the link in their show notes, highly recommend it because then the host can say, go to abc.com slash TII and find this or look for the link in our show notes for that okay, perfect. so that they can go there. I highly recommend that that be part of the requirement for any host red ad is that you're asking them to put it in the show notes. Okay, excellent. But it's not like a standard that people go to the episode page, right? No. I guess that's what no. I'm kind of looking for is like, how often do people actually look at the show notes? Yeah, but on smartphones, they can go in on that episode and they can tap through to the link. By yeah. the way, when they put the link in there, make sure they tell them to make it a naked link, not an embed link. You want the naked link, the whole URL showing because most podcast applications don't work with embed links. So if you have the naked link, then it does actually work. And oh. the naked link is like HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.libsyn.com, right? That's a naked link rather than Libsyn or click here, right? Where it's embedded in it. So a lot of the podcast applications don't work with embed links, but they some of those ones that don't work with embed links do work with the naked links. And as a minimum, at least they can see the naked link. Yeah, that's true. And then you can see all those UTMs that are associated with it too. Right. And again, you say how many people go, it's not about people stumbling upon the show notes. It's about giving the person, hey, they heard something that they want to take an action on. And you mm. said the URL and they were driving and they couldn't write it down. But they know when they, they get to go wherever they're going, they can go and then and go and find that. So it's not about them stumbling upon it. And it, I look at it as more of a value of you basically just put a note in their notes that they can go get to later on. So they didn't have to write it down. Oh, I like that. I love that. Okay. It's prediction time now. You ready for this? What do you see changing over the next year in the world of podcasting? People becoming really frustrated that they got into video and it had absolutely no effect on their podcast or actually negative effect. You mean like putting your podcast on YouTube? Just people that only had an audio podcast got all enamored with people saying you should be on video and now they're doing video with the audio and they find out that, you know what, my show audience actually size went down because producing video took more time. They didn't have as much time to spend on the content. Content is what really drives the audience. And there's more time in the day for people to consume audio than there is video. So I already see it happening with some that their audiences are being detrimentally affected because they decided to add video to a podcast that was only audio. I think that that's an amazing prediction because if I had a penny for every time someone said, 
you should do this, right? Like put it on YouTube. I do blame all of the podcasts. Like my husband, watch he watches a lot of podcasts on YouTube as well too and thinks that's the way that you consume them. When I was introduced from an audio perspective, so I don't ever watch podcasts. So that's interesting that you're saying that it could potentially have like that negative effect on what you're hoping would have been a positive. It's okay to put up a static image with your audio up onto YouTube and just hope people stumble upon it. And that's fine. But people are getting so enamored now with doing video and adding video to a podcast that they have only ever done audio. And they forget that if you actually release an audio and a video podcast of the same exact content, the number is about 15 to 20 to one audio downloads versus video. Your audience size is going to remain on the audio and video just was a lot of extra work. I'm not saying don't do video, but I'm just saying don't expect it to grow your show. And if you're not wanting to do video, definitely don't do it. But people are like, oh, well, <laughs> don't force yourself. Should do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Don't. If you're like going, oh, good Lord, get yeah. back to audio and have fun with the show. Video is a lot more work. Editing is a lot harder to make it cleaner. And then a lot of times what happens is people don't bother editing the video because it's yeah. so hard to edit the video. And then all they do at the end is strip the audio out. And now what was once a tightly compressed and edited podcast becomes an un edited podcast, the audio audience goes, wow, this show used to be really snappy. And now it sounds like the guy's like drunk on all the time. He's just making all these mistakes. <laughs> he's horrible. Well, no, it's not that he's horrible now. He was always horrible. He just fixed it in editing. <laughs> you are just now, you're seeing the full authentic self. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the person has basically unveiled what they look like in the morning when they got up, right? (laughs) It's okay to edit. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when they do switch to audio and video, they just strip the audio out and a good podcast becomes a bad podcast. Well, I think that I'm going to hang on one thing that you had said in that that prediction as well that really struck a chord with me is also like have fun with it. If I'm not having a good time, why would my listener have a good time? Like I want to be just as engaged with you and that's going to be a more positive and well-embraced podcast. I appreciate you coming on here and just sharing information, the tactics, the insights I think are going to be so incredibly helpful for listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Okay, so Rob shared so many tips in this episode. Forever grateful and thankful here. The searching tip is really the one that stood out for me because it's one of the questions I get asked frequently. Which podcast should we reach out to? Knowing that the Apple algorithm is really looking at the title and the producer, I believe he said, not the description is such a good hack for finding the right one for your audience, as well as the you might also like that's featured at the bottom of the show you're looking at. But most importantly, and I want to emphasize this because he also agreed, is actually listening to the podcast. And that's advice that is true for any type of creator you're reaching out to. If you don't show that you're genuinely interested in them, why would they be interested in you? Now, do you want to hear more? Be sure to subscribe to the Grin Gets Real podcast to get the latest episodes. Give us some stars or share your favorite episode in a review. I love to see what it is that you love. 
Now connect with me on social. You can find me on LinkedIn, Hatia Allison. And if you're interested in learning more about Grin, visit our website at grin.co. Until next time, keep grinning. Thank you.